Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion. This is Juco All-American, joined by Whiskey Wednesday. Uh, and we've got a lot to talk about. We had some some great news out of the weekend. Juice Fest, uh, which Lane Kiffin named after his dog, was a huge success with a bunch of uh, recruits in town in Oxford. And uh, a number of commitments came out of that and some positive movement with other, other recruits. Um, but first, I actually thought that I might uh, bring back a, an oldie, old tradition of, uh, of Red Cup Radio, which is um, where we say what we're drinking. And I, uh, I, I'm putting whiskey on the spot. I don't think he's actually drinking anything. But I wanted to say that I am drinking my favorite bourbon, uh, Noah's Mill. And uh, just over ice. I think it's, it's delicious. It's, it's a very high proof, so you have to be okay with that. But assuming that's all right with you, it's, I, I can't recommend it enough. I think the... I think I paid 48 for the bottle. Um, so it's not like an everyday kind of bourbon, at least for me, for my price range. Uh, but it's a, it's a nice thing to have on hand. I actually am drinking something. I ah. decided to pour a little bit of Diplomatico. It's a Dominican rum that I really like. You know, you've gotten a, a, on a bit of a rum kick re, uh, over the last few years, I think, right? Yeah, you know, Rum Wednesday does not have much of a ring <laughs> to it, but... I don't know, man. I just I I pounded whiskey for a, a long time and needed a little change and kind of got into making tiki drinks and stuff. Um, which you know you can think that's silly if you want, but I think it's fun. So I drink a lot of rum now. So uh, I realized that we pride ourselves in only talking about Ole Miss sports, so we're not going to talk about this for very long. But um, I, I've never been like a huge rum person. I mean, I'll I'll drink a rum drink just fine, no problem. But uh clear rum is clear rum a thing that like aficionados will turn their noses up at or is clear is clear rum like you know on par with with dark and spiced rums you know um so spiced rum is actually the one that is probably the most or the the least regarded um, ah, okay it's just kind of it, it tends to be like flavored with you know sugar and extra stuff in it. Uh, white rum is usually just not aged. Um, but you know, people definitely still have their preferences. Um, and they make some really good, uh, white overproof rums like Ray and nephew. Uh, they're a Jamaican distiller. That's like really old. Uh, they make, uh, like a, you know, 150 ish proof white rum. Um, and you know, there's several others like that, but I mean, the age stuff, just like, just like whiskey, you know, the age yeah. adds a lot of character to it. So. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah. Let's actually talk about, about Ole Miss uh, so that we don't lose people. Uh, so yeah, big weekend um, Four uh, scholarship commitments came out of that. Uh, I'm going to run through the list and, and we can talk about them each, but uh, defensive tackle, Jamarius Brown, defensive end, Neo Avery, tight end, Javante Connor, and offensive tackle Isavion Miller. Uh, let's go. Let's go in that order. So Jamarius Brown, uh, four-star defensive tackle out of Mississippi, Moss Point, had a fantastic offer sheet. Uh, I I can't believe that he you know just committed in August or I guess it was July, <laughs> and that seems to be that. That seems uncommon for four-star defensive linemen. 
Yeah, especially in-state. Um, Ole Miss has had trouble with in-state defensive linemen going back a few years, uh, especially, what was it, the 2019 class that was just stacked with defensive oh, linemen. They didn't get a got, single one. Didn't get a single one. We eventually got um, – oh, man. Hold up. Let me – Of the top ten, it. while you're looking for that, so that was the Mississippi Made class uh, when when Matt Luke had that big um, Mississippi Made push. Of the top ten recruits in in Mississippi, Ole Miss signed uh, one, which was Jerion Ely. And at the time, signing Jerion Ely seemed like a a fun thing to be able to talk about. But ultimately, he was going to choose baseball. Obviously, that's not what it turned into. But yeah, going. Grabbing one of the top 10 when your hashtag includes the word Mississippi is maybe not a great look. Yeah, that was that was a poor show. Uh, Jamon Gordon is the guy I was looking for who was, I don't know, maybe the fourth or fifth best defensive lineman, according to rankings in the state. Uh, he eventually wound up at Ole Miss, but signed with Auburn. So, yeah. Oh, Jamon Gordon, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Just a yeah. big old strikeout uh, that year. But, but yeah, so Jamarius Brown, to, you know, give him his due, it's, it's cool to see guys make a decision early. I don't know. And that's, that's not to say, you know, kids can always change their mind, but yeah, I don't know when they make an early decision that makes me think like, Hey, you know, they really like the school. They're not necessarily just like shopping around waiting to the last minute, whatever. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, who knows which offers are committable and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, <clears throat> just to, to run through some of his listed offers on the on three database, uh, which we use because we like Zach Barry, <laughs> uh, Auburn, Alabama, Texas, Arkansas, Florida state, Tennessee, Mississippi state, Florida. Oh no, Florida's not an offer. Sorry. But you know, that's not a terrible list of, uh, of teams. And the more defensive linemen you get that those teams are recruiting, I think the better off you are. Yeah, absolutely. So next on the list is Neo Avery, a defensive end slash edge player from Maryland. Yeah, obviously um, Chris Partridge played a big part here. He, gosh, like <laughs> that dude can just get defensive players from the Northeast to come on down to Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah, what a cool development. Like that's an area that we just never really even tried um, until Hugh Freeze tried to tap into New Jersey a little bit, but without a lot of success. I mean, he got yeah. really close to signing, oh, what's his name? Um, but Sean Gary. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, obviously bringing in a lot of quality from that part of the country. Um, and you wonder if it's part because of Partridge and part because that part of the country just isn't producing like super high quality teams right now. I mean, Penn state yeah. is usually good, but yeah, it's kind of it. like, are, are you going to go to Maryland? You know, like, I mean, Maryland's not terrible, but it, it's not like you're going to get the eyes that you'll get playing in the sec. Uh, Neo Avery's a four star defensive end, by the way, uh, listed at six, four, two twenty five. Um, I think that Penn state was actually, wasn't he committed there at one point, or maybe he was rumored to be committed there for for a while? I think uh, sort of like a private commitment. Um, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, but I mean, he has a, a listed Georgia offer, Oregon, Ohio State, LSU, Florida, Michigan State, Michigan. I mean, among many, many others. 
so again, kind of a, a, a highly rated, highly recruited and thought of player that just four star defensive end shuts it down, commits to Ole Miss. I, I guess shuts it down is maybe not the right term, but at least is signaling that at, as of now, you know, he plans to come to Ole Miss and I just think that signing or not signing committing two four star defensive linemen in a weekend and especially you know this many months from signing day is not something Ole Miss ever does. Ole Miss maybe gets like an in-state guy who has always leaned that way, you know, early like Benito Jones or something like that. But almost everybody sweats it out for uh for signing day. And then, you know, those guys inevitably go like, Oh, well, I decided that I'm going to go to Alabama. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, they have to scramble to find somebody, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. Anybody can flip and all that sort of stuff, but certainly rather yeah. be in this, this spot than, than not having them committed. Yeah. Generally, if you're not, you know, a top tier school on Alabama, Georgia, whatever, it's a pretty tough scene for <laughs> finding four-star defensive linemen. So, so yeah, you're right. Huge, uh, huge get. And they're, you know, one of the three most important positions on the field. So, uh, yeah, that's sure. that's important. Um, okay, so next is tight end Javante Connor, uh, and you know he's he's a three-star. So the people who are put off by that just just know that going in. But he's he's six four two thirty, and uh, he is a, a late bloomer in terms of his size, and I think also I think he's only been playing football for a year and a half. He's one of those sort of project guys who just is you know very athletic and screams high ceiling, potentially low floor. But I guess that's probably raising uh, you know with each practice and that sort of stuff. Uh, he's from North Carolina, 6'4", 230. Doesn't have a crazy offer sheet, but it's also not, like, embarrassing. Well, I guess it is crazy. I mean, like, he has an A&M offer, Oregon, Miami, Louisville. Uh, I guess we mentioned Maryland, Virginia Tech, NC State. So, so you know, I, I'm leaving out Alabama, Georgia, those types of teams. But it's not as if, you know, the teams I've just listed are are terrible at recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know he's only a three-star, but when I heard about his commitment, I took my shirt off and uh, spun it around <laughs> like a helicopter um, in celebration. North Carolina. Uh, yeah, so, you know, and what I've read about him is that John David Baker, uh, the Ole Miss tight ends coach, who was pivotal in recruiting Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg, uh, really liked him, so... Yeah. Not only does that speak to his potential, but also, you know, John David Baker gets a couple of free shots, I would say. I was going to say, I was going <laughs> to say, he has earned the ability to offer some kids, even, you know, if we're not sure about it. But this guy seems good. I mean, I I, I don't mean to say that, that I'm trying to detract from that or anything. Isaiah uh, Miller, I know nothing about Isaiah Miller. Um other than the fact that he's a junior college player and that makes it, you know, tough for, for us to really evaluate or, or to really know much about him and with, with the state of junior college recruiting after the transfer portal and, and all that, it's, it's kind of a disaster. I don't know if you know a lot about him. I don't. Um, it does make you wonder, I guess, whether he is a super under the radar 
big talent potentially, or if we really need help in that department. Um, oh yeah. All that I've, all that I've heard, obviously we're losing a few offensive linemen over the off season, but we keep hearing really good things about the young guys on the team, but obviously you think they're probably going to bring in some bodies, either, you know, portal or junior college in this case to just make sure there's enough competition. So. Yeah, you have to. And, you know, he has the body. So he's like six seven, three thirty. He'll get to Ole Miss in January. So he'll have an entire semester of, of prep work, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, doesn't have great offers. I think his other listed offers were like Jackson State and Memphis. <clears throat> but who knows? I mean, I, I think that Jake Thornton has definitely earned, like, like we gave John David Baker, Jake Thornton has definitely earned plenty of like give a guy a scholarship and you know I'm not one to 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 judge that and and cast doubt on that in any way. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, those were the four commitments of of scholarship players. I think there was a walk on um, as well, but uh, other other recruits that were in town and you know things went well with. Let's start with Aiden Williams, wide receiver, again, from Mississippi. Uh, he's actually from Ridgeland. And Aiden Williams has an interesting interesting kind of, maybe not story, but story as it, as it pertains to Ole Miss recruiting. I think that um, early on in the process, he was heavily leaning Ole Miss's way. I don't know if Ole Miss was slow playing. I, I, I wouldn't say that, but I think that... Uh, you know, he started to, re- to receive a lot of interest from other large programs like Georgia and Tennessee and all them, which have, which have offered. Uh, he's a four-star wide receiver, 6'3", 195. Uh, has offers from, you know, you name it, other than, I guess, Alabama. <clears throat> uh, and seemed to have all but kind of gone away from Ole Miss for, for quite a long time. And then suddenly, over the last few weeks, uh, it was like, oh, Aiden Williams likes Ole Miss again. And, you know, I heard that the the weekend went well for him. Uh, obviously, he'd be a really big asset to, to Ole Miss. He's listed as the number 144 player uh, in the composite ranking. And, yeah, seems like a, a great opportunity to nab somebody from in-state who can really help in that position group that has been really weird the last few years at Ole Miss. Yeah. If I were to pick one position that Lane Kiffin would arguably really struggle to recruit, wide receiver would not have been that position. Um, it wouldn't have been the second or third or fourth guess either. No. And then Elijah Moore went crazy in his first year. It was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here, you know, they're going to come in. And it just really didn't happen. I mean, you know, I think that Ole Miss has signed some, you know, somewhat promising players at wide receiver, but nobody that's just like, oh, man, that guy's amazing, Um, which is kind of unexpected. Yeah, I mean, there are times where Ole Miss has been bad, but had, you know, two or three legit number one receivers on the team, you know, right now we're kind of in the opposite position. (laughs) We're good and we don't have any. So let's let's actually jump to the other receiver who was... The other receiver of note, I guess, who was on campus, who is Caden Lee from Kennesaw, Georgia. Uh, he also has a great offer offer sheet. 
he's he's only a three star. Uh, he's he's five eleven, one seventy, but he has offers from Oklahoma, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Texas, Penn State, Tennessee. Uh, skipping a lot, Auburn. I guess I'll mention UVA. I mean, they're not terrible, right? Um, yeah. So Caden Lee, uh, seems like he's. It's kind of a matter of when he commits to Ole Miss, which is great. Yeah, he's definitely. You know, you mentioned he's a three-star guy. He's one of those high, you yeah, know, top-end three-star guys that just has a lot of offers. Even though if he's not at the top of everybody's board, like most really good teams would be cool with taking him, you know, which is great. Right. Right. Yeah. He, uh, <clears throat> as you might imagine of a five eleven player, like I actually, I watched his, uh, his highlights the other day. Um, and I'm, I'm not a talent scout, but I, I do like to pay attention to some of them and, and think that I can gain a little bit of insight into them. Uh, as you might imagine, for a 5'11 player, he's fast and, uh, you know, gets in and out of breaks really quickly. So he, he's able to make that work. I mean, 5'11 is not, you know, a, a size that's detrimental, but it's also not like, you know, commanding on the outside or something like that. For sure. Cool. So, uh, yeah, we got a couple other guys that were in town and, and, Seemingly things went really well with um, one is Braxton Myers, a current commit to Southern Cal. He's a safety from Texas, another pretty high rated four star guy, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, on three has yeah. him as the number 188 player. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's listed as a cornerback for on three. I think he's listed as safety and a couple other services. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, committed to, to USC and um, a lot of the big recruiting talking heads have you know picked him to uh, switch to Ole Miss. So we'll see if that happens. But yeah, obviously the, the visit went great. Yeah, and he's from Texas. So it's not as if, you know, we're trying to pull a USC commit from California or Oregon, uh, where it seems like that would be kind of a, a fool's errand. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously like, the more defensive back I mean, in running a three, two, six, you got to have tons of defensive backs. And so uh, they're going to need to sign several and we're going to get into a little bit uh, later about, about what's, what's there. Uh, but yeah, Braxton Myers would be awesome. And obviously flipping somebody from, from USC is an interesting development at Ole Miss uh, jumping actually to another committed player who things went well with uh, over the weekend, Dakari Nelson, who's committed to Penn state, was on campus. He's from Alabama, Selma, Alabama, also a four-star safety, 6'3", 190. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to say again that the, the 326 calls for defensive backs, but especially a surefire safety, somebody who's, you know, 6'3", is not likely to be a corner. It, it, it's not a, a tweener height, although Miles Battle, of course, is, is a little bit different there. Um, but you know, having having a, a surefire safety who's actually played that playing that position a lot and you know can hit and all that is is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, interesting to see an Alabama guy committed to Penn State. Um, yeah, and then yeah. also heavily considering Ole Miss. Um, wonder what this dude's story is. Yeah, 
so those were the 2023 players we're going to talk about. But actually, there were a few 2024 players on campus as well, uh, headlined really by Kamarion Franklin, who is out of Lake Cormorant, ten- or Mississippi. Uh, he's a defensive tackle, 6'5", 260. And he's the number 45 player in the in the country in 2024. He, you know, I... I I could list his offers, but it's Ole Miss and like the playoff contenders. So, so just know that, you know, whoever, whoever he wants to sign with, will sign him. Um, yeah, he was in, on campus, uh, and is of course the number one player in Mississippi for his class. Uh, obviously it's way early for him. I, I will say on three has him, I guess they're like, crystal ballish kind of thing has Ole Miss as a slight leader over Alabama, but uh, you know, it, there's, there's a lot to go with that, but it's nice to see him paying attention and already on campus. I mean, there've been plenty of years in, in the past where there would be a really, you know, highly rated junior who would just not even, or yeah, who would just not even step foot on campus until maybe like an official visit or something like that. And that doesn't appear to be the case with him. Yeah, definitely cool to see some some interest there because, I mean, I I think a lot of recruiting reporters kind of rely on history with their assumptions, and it seems like the the early talk was that he just wasn't interested in oldness, mm-hmm. and you know maybe he wasn't at the time. I don't know. I mean, these guys do have sources and stuff, but you know, yeah, maybe he's kind of come around a little bit. But either way, it, it's cool to see that there is some some interest there and that it'll be something to follow. It's always a bummer when there's like some elite prospect in state and we just can't even get a foot in the door. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what was the guy's name? Branson Robinson last year. Yeah. I mean, at least he was a running back and was like, well, we'll be fine there, but I I know, but I mean, you know, old, uh, the state of Mississippi produced a running back who went to Georgia and is, you know, already like practice reports are that he's already killing it. Uh, it, it, it sucks that he just never even gave Ole Miss the time of day. But I will say, in defense of that guy, he also made it clear that he was not going to Ole Miss. So it's not as if, like, you know, the, the coaches felt like they had to give it their all until signing day or something like that. Yeah, that is um, that is the way to do it. Good for him. Yeah, very much so. Cam Akers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the other 2024 player worth talking about is, is Walker White, quarterback from Little Rock, Arkansas. He's also a four-star. He has an offer from Arkansas. He also has offers from LSU, Florida, uh, and then a bunch of sort of that ACC middling tier type of type of program. Um, have, of course, having the 2024 quarterback target on campus already is, is nice. Uh, he's Ole Miss is the runaway leader for him. Um, yeah, I think that locking down a quarterback this early would be would be cool. Uh, but also, it's it'll be interesting to see how his rankings develop, how he proves himself over time, and and all that. Uh, and of course, having an Arkansas offer and being in state, I guess you have to lend some idea or some credence to the idea that he might just take it and sign with them, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, especially if they continue the really good momentum that they have going. Yeah. Know. Yeah. 
But I, I think that uh, there's plenty for Ole Miss to sell there as well. Yeah, I mean, as as surprisingly successful as Sam Pittman, yeah, Sam Pittman has been, you think that like a young quarterback would definitely be more excited to go play for Lane Kiffin than an offensive line coach, you know? Well, yeah, and, and that's you know another interesting kind of aspect of that is uh, Lane Kiffin is, I mean, he could leave Ole Miss. But as long as Lane Kiffin is, is at Ole Miss, the the draw for the quarterbacks to sign with Ole Miss remains there. Whereas, like when Kendall Bryles leaves Arkansas, like Sam Pittman could still be the head coach, and you know they bring somebody in who is not that coordinator and doesn't appeal to quarterbacks. I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there probably won't always be a Barry Odom, Kendall Bryles situation. <laughs> Gosh, I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, please stop. <laughs> um, so I think that uh, it, it's also possible that the quarterback position in general is just one that continues to be buoyed by transfers, uh, especially with as easy as it is to transfer now with the portal and everything. Uh, I think that obviously signing great high schoolers is, is helpful and nice and would be wonderful to develop them and all that. But uh, I, I think that the Jackson darts of the world are going to become more common for Ole Miss than the Luke Altmyers of the world. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, you mentioned defensive lineman is one of the most important positions. I mean, quarterback is obviously the most important position and, and a position group that, tends to get snapped up pretty early in the recruiting process. Um, not a lot of quarterbacks making signing day decisions. Um, and then, then a lot of them get caught up in numbers games, you know, like if, if Alabama and Ohio state sign a five-star quarterback every year, then there's going to be a lot of unhappy five-star quarterbacks on those rosters. And that's, you know, very predictably what we see. And so, you know, Ole Miss is a landing zone for, uh, the guy who almost started at Alabama or almost started at, at Southern Cal or whatever is not a horrible place to be. No, no. And I think that Ole Miss will continue to be a good quarterback transfer destination as long as Lane Kiffin is there. Yeah, I think um, I think the athletic department should continue to pay Lane, Lane Kiffin a lot of money to remain the head coach <laughs> Ole Miss. You think so? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I guess that actually brings us to a, a, a discussion here on the general approach to recruiting. So on three ranks the current recruiting class as the number 26 recruiting class in the country. It has nine commitments. Of course, they're all, well, eight are high school and one is a junior college player. But of course, they don't have any transfers locked in yet. It's way too early for that for, for next year. Um, but if we look at how last year went, so, so last year there were 35 scholarships available, uh, in a, a strange COVID affected year, they ended up allowing schools to sign, you know, more players because of all the, the movement, uh, and Ole Miss ended up signing 34 players, 17 high schoolers and 17 transfers right, right down the middle. Um, and I think that 
of course, that caught all of us off guard. At least I, I can't speak for you, but it caught me off guard. Uh, I, I was not expecting to be nearly as successful in the transfer portal as, as Lane Kiffin proved to be. Um, and I think that there's... Obviously, it proved to be a great choice because the transfer portal hall was fantastic and really made this team competitive in ways that I didn't expect it to be uh, this, or at least look competitive going into this season. Uh, but all this, all this background story is for me to really ask you, like, if so, Ole Miss has nine commitments already, uh, eight high school, one junior college player. It doesn't seem like a 50-50 split of the 25 scholarship limit, which is what it's back to this year again, uh, is all that likely based on the success they've had so far with high schoolers. Do you have a general thought on the balance of high schools, high schoolers or just uh, typical recruits and, and uh, four-year college transfers? Uh, I mean... It's definitely beyond our <laughs> pay grade to say, but I think we are going to see a shift away from, you know, totally relying on the portal. I think a lot of that was Kiffin trying to replace a lot of production, um, trying to overhaul the roster in a way that, you know, is better for his system that increases the overall talent level. Um, you know, and what was I trying to say? Uh, basically it seems like that was kind of a, a early days strategy. Now I think he's going to continue to rely on it a lot because, you know, Ole Miss, is not going to win all the recruiting battles that they want to for high school guys. Right. And it is right. just a, a great way to supplement your roster much in the way that, you know, junior college kind of used to be for, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams. Uh, but it's so much more proven than junior college. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a lot better. Um, it will be interesting, you know, a, a case study in, how easy it is to infuse your roster with new guys from D one schools all over the country. Uh, like we've done, like Ole Miss is going to be maybe the case study for how well that works. Um, yeah. And I think that, um, in, in this particular class, because as you mentioned, they, they lost a lot of production. It was kind of easy to sell a number of transfers on this idea that, Hey, you know, you're a starter at your at your school. We, we don't have a starter at your position. Or if we do have a starter, it's really sort of like a rotational type of thing. And so, you know, there's a really great chance that you would ultimately be the best at your position or, you know, one of the top two or something like that. Um, but so many of those guys were uh, not are not transferring as seniors. So they have multiple years of eligibility left. And I think that... Uh, it may become a little bit harder in year, well, I guess year two of this transfer portal approach to convince 13 guys to transfer in when you have a more stable roster or what we what we assume will be a more stable roster. Um, and also, I think that there are probably a number of programs that 
see what Kiffin did, what he was able to accomplish in the transfer portal as somewhat of an innovator in that space and maybe are taking a copycat approach and, and planning to utilize the portal a good bit more than they had expected early. Now, luckily for Ole Miss and, and those other programs, Alabama, Georgia, those types of, of programs still seem to be totally set on just signing 25 high schoolers or 22 or, you know, and, and a few transfers uh, because I don't want to compete with them for for transfers. Yeah, absolutely. And I was about to say, I mean, the, the portal has been really fun for Ole Miss because we've been on the right side of it. Um, right. <laughs> I can imagine a lot of teams being, or, you know, a lot of fans of a lot of teams being really frustrated with the portal, just, you know, seeing quality starters leave. Um, I, I think Ole Miss, you know, just like we mentioned for quarterbacks, are, are, is situated in a good position to continue to be on the right side of, you know, the, the portal. Uh, a lot of guys who are stars for Ole Miss aren't really going to leave looking for, you know, better opportunities at a, you know, tier one SEC school or whatever, uh, because that's, uh, that introduces a lot of risk for them. Um, but I, I think we have to, enter, I mean, that's going to happen eventually. There's going yeah. to be a, a fantastic player who decides they're going to transfer to Georgia or Alabama and we're going to be pissed. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it will. But I, I think overall, it's going to be a, a net big mm-hmm. benefit for us. And, you know, losing the occasional, you know, a highly touted freshman who didn't immediately crack the lineup or whatever, that may be the area where it hurts us. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can think of what MJ Daniels, who entered the portal and then backed yeah. out of it, fortunately. But like guys like that who clearly have the talent, but maybe just, you know, aren't feeling the the depth chart or whatever is not working out quite the way they want. Um, But on the whole, I mean, I I think Kiffin really understands managing the team's culture uh, and Mm -hmm. having, having like a positive locker room and having like a a fun image and a fun group of people. Um, I think that's going to pay a lot of dividends in the portal game as well because you know college players are talking to one another um i think word gets around about what morale is like on on given teams and i think Mm -hmm. you know being being a a cool place to be where players are having fun and winning games is is you know something that really helps in that department yeah yeah uh so we're gonna wrap up in just a minute but uh i wanted to ask you one question uh with with uh, quarter with August practice starting, or I guess, yeah, starting. Um, obviously, we're going to start reading reports. We're going to start seeing stuff. Uh, the school themselves will put stuff out. Uh, if you had to pick one player who's not a quarterback, that at the end of this week, say like I'm sure I'm sure they're going to have a scrimmage this weekend. Out of the scrimmage, they say, oh, there's this one guy who just killed it. And, you know, appears to be totally set uh, going into next year, as best you can say, coming out of only one week of practice. Who would you want that player to be? Hmm. Um, that's a that's a cool question. I like it. Let me let me dig around in my death chart here for a second. Um, 
Honestly, okay, so, I think I think it would. Okay, so if I'm just able to pick anybody, I'm gonna Anyone say person, yeah. I'm gonna say a young linebacker. So we're gonna go with Jerron Willis, incoming freshman, four star, a little bit of a you know hybrid body type, kind of like a, a hybrid safety size, but is gonna be playing linebacker. If he shows up and is like, oh yeah, this guy's he's he's a starter, like that would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it would, it would. I mean, I think that for high schoolers, it's it's tough. But yeah, I mean that again, like for the for the bounds of this question, that works perfectly as you framed it. That's uh, my <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so for me, I actually would pick. Um, huh, it's interesting for for this season, this one season. I think I would pick Jalen Robinson the wide receiver from UCF transfer uh, because I think that that would be, you know, wonderful. Uh, but of course, if I'm thinking about like overall, what, what would benefit the program? Uh, I think that Quinshawn Judkins would be an interesting player. Um, only because like, I, I know that running back is set and Quinshawn Judkins is like third or fourth on the, on the pecking order, but he's a, he's an incoming freshman that, you know, seems to be a power running back who hits the hole hard and all that kind of stuff. And I think that if you knew that you had a really compelling and interesting piece as a freshman at that position, it would, it would set us up uh, in cool ways long-term. Yeah. You know, indication is that he's pretty good. Right, right, right. So yeah, that yeah. that may be a lot more. Oh, you know what? You know what? I'm totally changing. It's JJ Pegues. It's definitely JJ Pegues. Okay. Like if J- if if JJ Pegues, regardless of this season or next season or whatever, if JJ Pegues just like is, oh, that guy's the starting defensive tackle. Then it's like, okay, all right. Well, I guess we're gonna wreck some people. Uh, because it it's not a position where we're really weak. And so for him to stand out and be, you know, clearly the best this early would be a, would be a huge step. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly kind of maybe preemptively have him notched down as like a pretty good starter. So (laughs) maybe that's why I didn't include him in my consideration (laughs) set, but yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to be a star, man. I mean, that's that's all we've heard. Yeah, yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this uh, this podcast. As you'll notice, it hasn't even been a full week since we had our last podcast, which has become atypical for for Red Cup Rebellion or Podcast Rebellion. Uh, that's going to change. So we're going to do a whole bunch of these during football season, and if they continue to go well, then we may just continue them and have a weekly segment. We'll see. Uh, Thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll be back next week.